0: Welcome to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast. My name is Anne Garten and I am your host for this lovely event or podcast, as we say. And uh, today I'm really excited to share with you Uh, some work that's happening in the Quad Cities. But before I do that, I think it's very appropriate that I also share my pronouns, she, her, hers. And I'm going to introduce you to Vamenda Schaefer from the
1: Project of the Quad Cities. And I would ask if you would share a little bit about yourself with us. Sure. Again, my name is Vamenda, she, her, hers. I am the Fundraising and Community Relations Coordinator kind of a fancy title for um, I do all of the large-scale fundraising events and then community relations so I'm really out in the community talking to people sharing the work we do I'm creating and implementing um, internal education and then bringing that out into the community excellent welcome and we're glad to have you. you So
0: I wonder if you would share, because you and I know about the project of the Quad mm-hmm. Cities, and there's a few people in our community, but I don't know that the majority of us know about the project. So I wonder if we would start there a little bit and, and share what great work you all are doing and, and why.
1: Sure. Um, we started in, gosh, mid-80s. So we've been around for quite a while, um, really as a grassroots initiative uh, to tackle... HIV and AIDS. So at the time the epidemic was beginning, um, there just there weren't any social services. And so we started in a hotel room because that was a space we had and just people taking care of people who were um, impacted by HIV. And so those really are our bedrock services. We have a whole host of services around people living with HIV and then a clinic. So um, we can do preventative work as well and then kind of things that go around that. Um, and so we're really reaching out right now to be able to end the stigma and discrimination around LGBTQ and HIV, um, that's done through education, and so our new initiative is is to push out as much education as possible.
0: Yeah, excellent. And I think that's really important because I uh, I when I came into nursing education. Somebody said, oh, for our infectious control um, concepts, we don't need to go over HIV. That's not an issue anymore. And I said, ooh, time out. I believe we do still need to and and the whys. So I think, uh, you know, that's really great work that you're all doing. You're no longer in a hotel room. We are you no have, longer in a <laughs> hotel room. A, you correct. have a solid brick and mortar spot. And you're doing some really great work, I hear, around uh, educating organizations, community members, uh, uh, around a number of things for our LGBTQ population, and I think it's really important to understand that uh, we're doing that, or you're doing that, sorry, in, in uh, solidarity with them, and to make organizations feel more comfortable caring and interacting with, with that community, right? Absolutely. And so it's called The Village?
1: The Village Project. Project. Okay, and I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so The Village Project was born in a coffee shop. Um, between my colleagues and I, we just were talking about the needs of the community. And we thought, you know, really, in order to address some of this stuff, in order to address the stigma and the discrimination and some of the hardships that the community that I belong to um, has and, and, and is impacted by, we thought, how do we do that? You know, and I'm a former teacher, and so everything, you know, for me is like, well, let's educate people. Or, you know, let's get the knowledge. I like to knowledge share, I call it knowledge sharing. Let's knowledge share. And so that is how, that was the inception of the Village Project, was just how do we invite people in? How do we form a foundation of knowledge across all organizations, regardless if in your healthcare or not, you know, social service, anywhere where you're engaging with people, how do we create a foundation? In the Quad Cities in order to support this community because it doesn't matter what population, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you have, it doesn't matter, you know, what color you are, what is your immigration status, LGBTQ is in every population. And so how do we, how do we really tackle that? How do we tackle the inequities? Well, let's educate people. Let's bring them to the table.
0: Indeed. And I love something that I saw on the webpage on extension of cultural competency training. And I would even go even further from what I look at it as cultural empathy as well, mm-hmm. right? Because I I am not myself in that community and I am open to that community, but my own implicit biases and what have you will come through at times. And recognizing that and understanding those pieces and how that has impacted that population overall is mm-hmm. really key to better improving my practice
1: or my interaction with Absolutely. the population, right? Right, and so part of our um, basic training is looking at the implicit bias that we all carry. Um, And it's when you turn that mirror around and and look at yourself in it, it's scary. And a lot of people get defensive because we are asking people to look at your own business um, and really take a deep look to figure out where your biases lay. And we all have them. We all are dare I say, scarred by life in some way, where we take the interactions and the situations we've been in and we file it underneath, you know, something in our back of our head. So where we're in another situation, we know how to proceed through with caution. But some of those things and thoughts and biases impact how we engage with people. And so we really take it down to the base level and say, let's first turn that mirror on us and and do work for us, for ourselves. And then we can you know then you can proceed through interactions with other people in a more empathetic sympathetic Um, authentic way. Indeed. And the
0: trainings are delivered, am I correct, by members of the queer community? Yes, right? So then you're hearing from their perspective as well. Um, But it's all a uh, planned delivery. Uh, You know, there's Mm -hmm. evidence behind all of the planning that you've done. So I wonder if you would share a little bit of the three main
1: themes that you have in the program. Sure. So our first one is called Safe Zone Training, and it's our entry-level LGBTQ 101, it was actually developed by um, two people, both in education and social justice work. So they really took a deep dive into uh, the research and what is out there around LGBTQ. And so that covers uh, gender identity and orientation and expression. We really kind of break down what those pieces are. Um, Again, looking at our internal bias along the way. And then pronoun training, is a step deeper off of that. And we really look at why are pronouns important? Why are using the correct pronouns important? What to do if you do misgender someone? And then we, the last portion is um, flexed to the organization we're with. So like when I do an internal training, I look at our policies and practices. If I, if, when we take it out into the community, depending on where we're at, I'll flex it to what you need as far as how to make your organization a more inclusive environment. And the last one is deconstructing gender. Gender is pervasive. We, from the, before we're even born, there's an idea of what gender is. Um, And so we're really looking at how do we get out of the binary, male and female? How do we look at gender around us? How that impacts our interactions with other people? How that impacts people who are gender expansive, so outside of the binary? And what we can do to make the world around us more inclusive.
0: I love that. And I think I, I obviously pull it through in that health and human service mm-hmm. side. But you can see how this work can, can be beneficial in any aspect because then we're also, we're being inclusive. Mm-hmm. We're improving mental health because we're being yes. inclusive, yes. right? And, and better outcomes overall for yes. the individual and the community and that
1: organization. Absolutely. So if we look at just LGBTQ folks, um, there is a historical trauma that we all carry whether that's something that happens specifically to us or as a whole and so for us to enter into a world for us to enter into any social service agency to enter into any hospital or medical care facility we are up against our historical trauma um, both real and perceived and so if we know that like the hospital has been trained or there's some indication that they've had some kind of competency it makes walking into those spaces easier for us. But if we take that and we apply it to any person who's been marginalized or any person really, what we're really teaching is yes, specific knowledge, but it's a foundation of respect. Indeed. And so if we can infuse a foundation of respect into all interactions with all people, it just makes navigating the world a little easier.
0: I love that because in, in my world of person-centeredness, that's the basis of it mm-hmm. all. Coming to the table, right, and inviting you to the table as you are and and respecting that and trying to understand where you are so that you can get the better education, the better health
1: care that you need for your own health and wellness. Yeah, understanding the barriers that other people have to walk through, around, over in order to access things like health care. There are just, there are so many barriers and so... Identifying what those are and helping somebody to move past those barriers or eradicate those barriers altogether um, is really powerful. And some of the work that we are doing is to look at systems and is to talk about, you know, here's a system we have and it has these barriers. What are we going to do about that? You know, how are we going to be part of the solution? And when I say we, I mean individuals at TPQC. And then as a whole, as an organizational whole, what are we going to do to be part of the solution? Right. And that's what we're asking people when we invite them to into the villages. How are you going to be part of the solution?
0: Can you give some of our listeners who may not have experienced
1: that some examples of those barriers? Sure. Um, so for me, I am part of the queer community, some barriers that I have to personally work through, and I'm also Asian and I'm a woman. So when I go into a medical facility, I have to be able to advocate for myself, um, because there are things that, um, I am not afforded because I am a woman. Um, and an, an, an example will be, um, whenever I go into, I, they get kidney stones all the time. So whenever I call my kidney doctor, like, I think I'm having a kidney stone because I don't have your typical, um, symptoms are always like, well, I don't think it is. It is hundred percent of the time, but they never, doctors never believe me. Um, they don't believe the pain I'm in. They don't believe the pain that I'm not in, you know? And so that's a barrier. So there are things as people that those are, there's those kind of barriers. Um, LGBTQ folk statistically are either under or unemployed at a higher rate than our non-LGBTQ counterparts, that's a barrier. Um, housing discrimination, um, homelessness, that's that's a barrier. Um, access to transportation, a barrier. Access to health care in general is right. a barrier. Yeah.
0: I, I want to use a, a specific example that I'm aware of of a um, individual who had been asked to use their uh, name, that their mm-hmm. chosen name, right? Yep. And because of the rules, the yes. policies that we're, that were legally supposed to use, the um, legal name, right? So we would go back and forth in that conversation, trying to make that individual as comfortable as possible during a very stressful time in their health care, mm-hmm. but
1: also follow the rules that we had to follow to protect ourselves. Right, and that's tricky. In, in healthcare, that is tricky. So there's, I like to call it the common use name. Yes, it's a new, a new feintangled word I learned. I was like, ooh, I like it. So there is, there is um, the common use name versus legal name. And so there's the there are the names that are on your insurance documentation, your driver's license that are harder to change. Right. Um, and then there's your common use name, the use the name that you go by every day. Um, so in uh, like in our clinic, we have to be very take care. And how we document those things and how then how we bring that attention to our providers. Um, because that is, when you dead name somebody, it's devastating, right. it's traumatic. And so how do we work around that? In healthcare systems, that is difficult. Indeed, indeed. And so I think
0: having those understandings through a program like what the Village Project mm-hmm. is giving, it just opens your awareness, right? Yeah, and, in that, Especially if you haven't lived that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's really important any other thoughts that you have that you feel like our listeners need to know more about the the village of the project or the project themselves or or this program and you know one question I have is who
1: who can actually sign up for it and how do they go about on that so if you just visit the village project qc.org, it kind of steps you through that all of our trainings are intended for everybody um, right now we, we are working on some community Sessions, but right now, really, it really is through organizations who want to bring it to their um, companies or their, you know, their their people that they work with. Um, But really, it's for anybody, and we're going in at a base level because the assumption is LGBTQ is prevalent in our um, in our world that everybody knows all the things, and the fact is that it is still very misunderstood. There are a lot of misconceptions out there, so we're really bringing it back to the basics, making sure we all have a common language around, um, around LGBTQ, um, understanding the, the dynamics and the barriers um, and the people who are walking this truth every day. Uh, and I've, a lot of people, especially when we talk about orientation and pronouns, there's a lot of information out there and it's very overwhelming. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is mutual respect Um, you know, we have to get right with ourselves. We have to get right with each other. And when we do that, when we have that mutual respect and we can walk through that regardless of um, what we have in common or don't have in common, it just makes navigating everything a little easier, especially when you come at something that has oftentimes been politicized. Um, So my existence as a queer woman is a political statement. And so being able to be calm in that and being able to approach other people who, um, who see me as whatever it is they see me as, um, it's helpful for my mental health to be able to continue navigating this world.
0: Yeah, I would say also, because I have done some of this training, not necessarily through you all, mm-hmm. but elsewhere, and I find it very helpful in the way that I make myself more aware, right? Yep. I'm going to make mistakes because I was not necessarily, uh, think these things, these themes were not in my growing up, and it's not right. just a, something that comes out, right? So I am going to make a mistake in, in misgendering or pronouns, things of that nature, but recognizing as well how. To um, recognize that mm-hmm. and apologize for it, and, and keep working on it, right? right absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that's really important. If we, just what you said, if we start with the foundation and understand the whys,
1: everything else starts to become mm-hmm. become easier. And we are just we're in a world that's fast paced, yeah. And we're always connected, and we're always going, and we don't feel like we can stop and take a breath, take a pause. Um, and just to be for a minute. And I think if we just remind ourselves that it's okay to not go, it's okay to reset your brain, uh, that also helps with interactions because we are just, we're required. It feels like we're required to always be on. And the reality is it'll be easier for us to interact with people we just take a breath <laughs> and if we just slow I lo- down. I do love that. I
0: really do. I'm gonna I'm gonna share something that's not around the LGBTQ plus population, but it happened to me this morning and it was just an, it, it wasn't just a name. I almost just used just a name, right? I, I mispronounced a student's name, and it was the third time I did that. How devastating that is mm-hmm. to a student, right? And I'll admit, I have a hard time because of the masks and and things of that nature. It's a it's a different pronunciation than what I'm used to, and and. Uh, I recognize that that's very impactful for that mm-hmm. individual and pulled her aside and apologized and actually made a recording so that I hear it every day to fix my, my bias or my mm-hmm. error. And, 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 and doing that, then I have growth. Absolutely right yeah and and I can become more inclusive overall for anyone as well as in that recognition that I am going to make those er- errors and she gave me grace right yeah, absolutely. she said it's it 's going to take you the entire semester to fix that Anne, because. <laughs> You, yeah, you've already made yeah. them. It's already stuck in your brain. She yeah. recognized that. So I love in that piece that she was able to do that as, as well. And I think this that's an example, right, of, of exactly what we're talking about here in a way.
1: Yeah, and part of um, when we do the trainings, I always tell people, give yourself grace. For many people, this is new knowledge. And we have to rewire our brains because we've spent a lifetime thinking about gender and pronouns and lgbtq in one way. And so unlearning and relearning takes time. And our immediate response, which is completely natural, is to get defensive when we're asked to change our, our, our thinking or shift our paradigm. So understanding that that's a natural reaction, but that reaction is yours, not the person that you're, you're with. And, but to give yourself grace, because learning is an im perfect journey. So you have to be able to say, I'm going to do better. But follow up that with action because words over and over are just words. words. You have to follow it up with action. Indeed. And hence why I literally yes, made a recording
0: that. so that I can follow it up with an action, right, and and and, and be better in that. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really, really important. And I think, um, again, going back to this piece, this is not only about the LGBTQ plus population, it is about all populations because
1: uh, we, when we know better for one, Mm -hmm. we know better for others. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We're just focusing on LGBTQ because, um, because that's our focus of our our work right now. But yes, it's yes. If you can be empathetic and sympathetic and open to one marginalized community, then that is easier to translate that to other aspects of your life. Indeed. Any closing
0: thoughts that you want to share with our listeners?
1: It's always a good question. Um, Think if I could just share anything. The takeaway from today I think would be um, there's a lot to learn in our world, and it is overwhelming, but to try, to seek that knowledge out. Um, and to and to really to really address your own biases. That's where the learning and the change will start. To understand where those thought patterns have come from um, and then work to change it in all aspects of your life. Not just LGBTQ, but you know, how you how you are with your body, how you are with self-care. I like to call it radical self-love. How you are with the world. Understand where those biases come from. And if you truly want to be a different person and change your path or change the world and be part of the solution, you have to start within.
0: And I think I would pull into that what you said before is, learning is always has errors in it. And yep. that's part of the journey. And, and to recognize that and, and help yourself grow uh, yep. would be another key. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Viminda. Thank you. I appreciate it. For those interested in learning more about the project and the project of uh, sorry, the village project as well, you can go to our links and they'll be right there for you. Thanks millions. Yeah. Have Thank a great one. so much. Audio production for the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast is provided by FM Studios in Davenport, Iowa. The show is engineered by Dave Baker. It is produced by Ann Garten, Director of the Institute for Person-Centered Care and Nursing Faculty at St. Ambrose University.